and welcome to the Vicar's Watch Dibley. The podcast where three priests link our stories to those of the Reverend Geraldine Granger and other TV vicars. I'm Kate. I'm Jenny. And I'm Ruthie. This episode we go through the episode called Summer, which is one of the seasonal specials. It's an episode where we talk a bit about protest and the importance of community. a week of massive ups and massive downs because I've uh, had one of those moments in ministry which is really difficult when a key member of the church dies mm. and it's one of those people who you there are certain it sounds awful but there are certain people you just think oh please just last the entire time I'm here because I don't want to do your funeral because it'll be too painful um, and we've had one of those deaths this week which has been really mm. really hard but in the life cycle as well, we've had a difficult death, but I've also gained a nephew this week as well. Aww. So it's been like birth and death all in one week. So mm. there is a, a new a new baby in the family. Oh, It's been a lot of emotions this week. Yeah, um, that's right. How about you, stuff. Jenny? Oh, yeah, so a similar, I guess, in terms of ups and downs, but not quite that big for me uh, this week. Everything feels very full on still. We've, we've had some, um, lots going on at church at the moment. We've had some downs. We've had some um, things go missing at church, which has been really difficult. Um, trying to work out, you know, how to look after things in church is a big problem, um, which has been not so good. But some lovely things that have happened as well and some really breakthroughs with where we're heading this year as a church in terms of our vision and moving forward. Um, but the thing I think that really sticks in my mind, I got a really lovely card this morning from a parishioner, then a thank you card for a funeral service I conducted. And it really, it's actually really made my week. And you know, it's that thing that we never do what we do so to be thanked, because it's literally why we're here, it's what we do. But when people just take the time to say, actually, like, and, and to write a real heartfelt thanks and you know, how their beloved might have felt about the funeral service as well. It's like, oh my goodness, that just means so much. Really touching and really, like, it makes me feel like, oh, that, yeah, just good to know that, you know, it felt right. Like, that's such a joy to receive and to, yeah, give thanks for, I suppose. So, yeah, lots going on, but things are feeling good and I'm um, feeling encouraged today, which is nice. Yeah. How about you, Kate? Yeah, I suppose I've also had some ups and downs in the last week. Um, we are recording this before Easter, um, and things have been amping up. The closer you get to Easter, the busier things get. Um, I've been supporting someone through um, some really difficult pastoral stuff, which I'm not going to get into, but that's really draining and can make you really angry at the world. Um, I have had some fantastic brain fog moments, just just like with fatigue, where like I filled my water bottle, my like litre water bottle with water the other day and then went to the fridge and got the milk out and poured the milk into my oh. water bottle. Um, <laughs> lovely. Um, it was a really diluted oat milk. Um, oh, with no. lemon because I mixed lemon into my water oh to no what did so that taste like? that went down the drain um, oh, okay. yeah. um, 
Yeah, um, Mothering Sunday was really good though, giving out flowers. Um, and just like, I'm not sure if it's something I've loved, but it's something I found really, really funny. Um, my little dog does not like going out in the rain or like getting her paws wet or dirty. And so my dog walker has suggested that I get her little rain boots. Oh. <laughs> um, oh. This is the kind of content we need to see. Like, podcast isn't enough. <laughs> Um, and I will admit I have got them and I've tried mum hair and she looked at me like so betrayed <laughs> and she was so confused by so I took her out into the garden and her raincoat and her boots and bless her. Did it work? Was she better in boots? I mean it wasn't it wasn't a wet day. I was just seeing how she, like, <laughs> if she was okay walking in them if they were right, with the right size for her. Um, and, you know, she you know, she was okay. She seemed... She was definitely moving slower and was less enthusiastic. I mean, she's not enthusiastic about going outside at all, generally. But she just looked at me like she was following after me, like, what have you done to me? <laughs> come on, come back and clean her and boots. She, she kept tripping over her feet. Tiny wellies. <laughs> Fun. What are we doing that. today, Jenny? Well, <laughs> frankly, we need to be sent pictures of these boots because they sound amazing <laughs> and little puffer nips. Um, but we today are going to be focusing on something nice and warm. We're coming to the last episode in season three, which has been the specials looking at the seasons of autumn and winter and spring. And today we are looking at the last one, which is summer. Summer in summer. I always think of Olaf with summer. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, random yeah. crossover. It's, yeah. it's a little bit sad as well, though, as we come to the end of the seasonal specials, we're also um, very quickly approaching the end of A Bicker of Dickie. We're not that far away. And yeah. maybe you gave us some very sad news about our wonderful yes. um, Dibley Bible. Our beautiful uh, Dibley book, which mm. is full of the scripts. Uh, today's episode is the last script in oh, here, and wow. it's, it feels like a moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so thank you to our script book. You have uh, done us very well. Mm. So we're we're starting to look forward to the future as well, and working mm. out there are, there are still some episodes yet, and we have a plan mm. uh, still to go through things, and we've got reviews and we are yet to meet Harry thank yeah. goodness so <laughs> yeah loads to come. to come yeah but mm. we're also thinking more about what is the plan for us in the future and this podcast and what we're going to do and mm. uh thinking about perhaps mm. slightly rebranding to Vickers watched Dibley mm. the power of an ED <laughs> um and um carrying on doing stuff and and reviewing other things maybe we go through another vicar tv series like mm. rev or something like that but we're also thinking about there's lots of different telly things that maybe we just watch that and you mm. give us some ideas of things to watch and we look at it and go that's hilarious or this is massively offensive or whatever it might be so we're coming up with lots of plans but we're not 100 percent sure what they might be so we'd love to know what mm. you would think about it as well so do contact us on our social media stuff or email us on vickerswatchdibley at gmail.com and we'd love to know what to do next? Mm, yeah, love to get you involved, get your thoughts. That'd be super cool. Mm. 
Yeah, and it, I think it's worth saying we think we're going to be covering the last Dibley episode around July. Um, so that's our time frame. Um, we are, but the podcast is not ending. Um, it's going to like Doctor Who. Um, we are going to regenerate <laughs> or um, pivot very slightly um, as we uh, continue these conversations um, in some yeah. form or another. Ooh. We'll just be clawing onto our microphones like, you can't get rid of us! No. <laughs> <laughs> so, should we go through our final script? Let's do it, baby! We're in summer and the episode begins in the vestry which has been something different for these seasonal ones hasn't it that we've often begun and ended in the vestry which is quite a nice thing and uh, Geraldine and Alice are in there and and they're building a a, well a card tower but not a card tower because they're using hymn books to build a massive tower uh, very successfully, we might say as well. Yeah, we had a little mm. cheer. This kind of annoyed me because I was like, when are you ever going to find the time, just like passing time in the vestry to build a tower? I was like, I wish I had the time to build a massive tower out of hymn books. Anyway, it's obviously <laughs> something I need to add to my to-do list in summer. It is a, it, to be fair, the season of summer mm. is a little bit quieter in the church, apart from it all the is. baptisms and weddings. Uh, they do make things a little bit more busy. But yeah, I'll note that as a... Yeah, spare activity if I ever get a spare second. Lol. You do tend to have a bit of a break, don't you? When things kind of shut down a bit mm. and they're a bit slower. So there's mm. space for you to build a hymn book tower yeah. if you'd like to. Mm. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. I'll see if I can get round to it. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so from there we go to the parish council. And Hugo comes in and he's bought baby Geraldine. Oh, lovely. Because... Um, Bless her, Alice has had a difficult time. Um, she's watched Changing Rooms and is too emotionally drained from it and therefore can't <laughs> look yeah. after baby Geraldine. Um, Did you watch Changing Rooms yes, back in the day? of course. No, sorry. Just remind... Not really, no. I've got vague reflections. So just remind us, slash me... Is it the one where, they, where people come over and say, we're going to change your house? And they, like tidy it and paint it no, and then they come more, families come back that's more diy diy sos as a connoisseur of these programs <laughs> okay. um, so um changing rooms is similar it's a kind of home de- redecoration um to be honest it's also psychological torture um it's <laughs> oh, um my goodness neighbors often neighbors or um people in the same neighborhood or... friends um they with teams of decorators um one of whom very famously uh, is uh, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen yeah um uh, oh they, i remember they, his shirts yes exactly yes. his shirts yes. um they that that's also what his interior design style was like on the show if you okay. know his shirts very flamboyant um, cool. they but these two basically families or teams would swap rooms and then they would design rooms for each other and when i say psychological torture i really do mean like you see these poor people have to act like they haven't just had their friendship destroyed because they put gravel in doors um Uh, uh, yeah so do they never like it then 
Well, it's oh, never, I never like, some people hated them. Yeah, some people <gasps> liked them. It was always like really bold, big colours. Mm. And I mean, some people loved them, but some people walked in the room and were just like, my bedroom's ruined. Yeah. Oh, not no. Sleep. It was just mm. awful. I'll find you some of the best pictures. Oh, yeah. gosh. I'm not sure if I could sit through that. I'd be so sad. And it nearly always involved a really like like some sort of DIY project as well, which they were yeah. given. Um, which sometimes were good, like we won't deny handy it. Handy Andy. Handy Andy. That was his um, name, yeah. But they, they um it it was um it was for the drama really. Um yeah. it, it's not that and I, I, let's not malign the designers. I think they were good designers in their own right, but they were encouraged by production to really mm. push things to extremes. No wonder Alice can't care for Geraldine yeah. needs to have a nap and a bit of a <laughs> self-care oh, yeah. Sunday yeah. or whatever, because, yeah, it does sound emotionally draining. Yeah. yeah, so David, bless him, is trying to hold the council mm. meeting together, but, of course, as as it would be, because there's a baby there, mm. everyone's distracted. <laughs> this is so true to life as well, isn't it? Mm. Like, as yes. soon as we've got some babies in church, as soon as they come along to a meeting or to a service, mm. like, nobody is listening to whatever's mm. going on at the front or the no. chair. And rightly mm. so. They are blooming lovely, aren't they? This did literally happen to be today, because we go to a toddler <laughs> group uh, in the morning, me, me and my little one, and uh, one of the mums there... Uh, had just given birth and so baby is two weeks old and she came through and it was like just swarms of all the mums and grannies oh. and foster carers just came to her like oh there's a baby we would like to see the baby <laughs> <laughs> oh so, that's amazing uh, yeah uh, so everything's distracted nothing happens and uh, uh, yeah. David accidentally abstains from a vote to, as to whether his granddaughter is cute or not <laughs> uh, yeah bit awkward it's all it settled is. at the end. But he is very keen. There is actually a very important item of business on the agenda, and that Indeed. is the millennium, which, mm. I mean, that is 23 years ago. Wow, now. that's scary, isn't it? Um, oh, my goodness. Um, so do you remember the millennium? We weren't in ministry. We weren't, we weren't working at that point. Um, we were around 10 years old, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was nine. Um, <laughs> The only so, thing I remember is that my mum bought me a new outfit for a party that we were going oh. to at a neighbour's house, and that is literally it. Mm. I also remember that I really wanted to hold hands with the boy I fancied at the time from my no. primary school, and that is literally all I remember. <laughs> so that gives you some insight into yeah. where I was at 10 slash 11 years old. No, it would have been 10. Yeah, 10. Yeah. <laughs> I remember very weirdly um, that... Uh, at the time I was living in Bradford and there was a millennium party at the church, the kind of neighbouring church mm. to the church where my dad was a vicar and they had a 60s themed party so I went in like a, like a mini dress and my brother went uh, as a mini car mm. as, so he had like a massive cardboard box painted orange mm. that he wore and we were on the dance floor all night and the person oh. who was the vicar of that church at that time is now my boss's boss. <laughs> no way! So, yes, bless him. John Day mm. has known me since I was about four years old. Booging so away. in the millennium mm. at his church. <gasps> That's really cool. Yeah. I, I remember the 2000 glasses. I think we had a party as a oh, family. Yeah. And I remember us having those glasses. And I think we were allowed <laughs> to stay up to see the new, the new millennium in. For some reason, I also remember watching Harry Met Sally when Harry Met Sally, but I I can't 
remember I can't imagine that I would watch that with my parents so I don't know why that's in my head I know there's a new year's scene in when Harry met Sally so maybe that's why I'm misremembering yeah but yeah but I don't remember us doing as a I'm sure as a village uh, well market town we would have done something but we didn't do a statue there were beacons, weren't there, in lots of churches? Do you remember that? They had big beacons everywhere that were that were lit for the millennium. Like we did for the Jubilee this year? This last year? Um, like, yeah, so big metal beacons that were oh, put outside really? the churches. So this church that I went to... Oh, yes, that does ring a bell. Yeah. There was lots but we of... also thought the world was going to end, didn't we? Well, yeah, there was... Y2K bug. <laughs> Y2K bug, computers wouldn't handle um, changing over um to 2000 um and big fears i think the big fear was that there would be um the stock markets would crash because the computers couldn't handle change Um, changing a date yeah changing the date um but that didn't happen um and i just remember my general memory is lots and lots of chrome stuff yeah everything was shiny everything was shiny (laughs) shiny (laughs) What yeah, yeah, like sparkly shiny. things. And, Lots of yeah, sparkles really? and metallics. And everyone's oh, really? wearing metallics. And... Yeah. Wow. Yeah, do you yeah. Know? No, I hardly remember anything. Like, I literally remember the boy that I fancied in the outfit I wore. <laughs> 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 That's really well, sad. I imagine that in our audience, there will be some people who we have just made feel really, really old by revealing or that... Or weren't alive. Yeah, or, or <laughs> they will be thinking that we are... Really old because really we're old. reminiscing a millennium. Do you remember um, back in my day? <laughs> <laughs> but none of these things make it onto the episode, do they? No, none of them. Don't don't, none of these things get raised. But instead, they want to bring what a statue to mark the millennium. Yes. Well, they first of all want to do something for young people mm. in the village, and that's the first plan. But uh, mm. Hugo suggests that, and David thinks it's a good idea, which is great. And mm. then Hugo decides he wants to build a massive cinema, but the budget is only £2,000, oh, yeah. so they can't do that. <laughs> yeah. um, and that just highlights something about village life, I think, that yeah. there's often not much stuff for young people. Um, so, but they don't do that. They decide they want to put a statue up on the green <laughs> instead. <laughs> Which, for me, is really odd that that is Geraldine's suggestion because it's, it's more on brand for Geraldine to suggest, okay, maybe not a multiplex cinema, but a skate park or um, yeah. a youth room atta- to be attached to the village hall like or renovate a room in the in the village hall to be a youth room like those are achievable village youth goals goals um Mm. but no she suggests a statue which for me it seems more that seems more like a david horton suggestion yes (laughs) i know what you mean they think of someone who means a lot to the village, and so the first suggestion is Carol Vorderman. Um, <laughs> she only means a lot, a lot to Owen, though, really. <laughs> well, and maybe Jim. Boys. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah they're uh, they're they're keen, and so uh, it all gets a bit silly. So Geraldine suggests come up with new ideas mm. of people uh, who mean a lot to the village for the next meeting. Yeah. Yeah, and then sort of next item of business is that there is a hosepipe ban at the moment, mm. and they're going through a heat wave, um, and 
David chastises Geraldine because she's mm. been using her hosepipe to clean her car. And mm. um, um, before we get into the particular content of that exchange, is he being harder on her given the events of a previous episode? Do we, do we see any evidence of the events of a previous episode? Oh, and that Ooh. because there was ended yeah. engagement. I well, just thought it was a yeah. higher level because she's the vicar. And therefore she yeah. made things better. Yeah, for me it just felt like it was just done with. Like, that's ended and there's no yeah, I agree. reference to <laughs> the fact that he may have lingering feelings for her or um, may still... Like, I don't know, it's, it's a bit sad that nothing carries over. But um, it, maybe that's a sign that it was all meant to be. Because if it had carried on, then it had been like, oh, maybe Geraldine should have married David after all. Never! No, never. But yeah, no. they didn't feel any sort of lingering, did they? No, no. Um, and it yeah. it turns out that uh, well, Geraldine <laughs> yeah. quotes scripture at him, which is not scripture. She says Luke seven verse eleven, and Jesus did say unto the disciples, Verily, an unclean mini metro is an abomination before the Lord. Now, Kate, come on. Oh, I looked it up. Of course, I looked it up. You know, I looked it up because, one, I knew definitely not. Um, That is definitely not Luke. Some clues in the text there, some giveaways. (laughs) If anyone thought for a moment that was Luke 7, verse 11. Um, And, um, but Luke 7, verse 11 does actually exist, um, which hasn't been true of previous Bible references in this series. So I looked it up. Um, Luke 7 verse 11 begins the um, uh, account of Jesus raising a widow's son Um, the verse itself is um, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd followed along with him Hmm. and that's it and that's it. Uh, you know, the, the actual then, the further verses go on to talk about him and um, bringing someone back to life. You know, mm. to be honest, a much better um, section of scripture than um, me- many metros on an abomination unto the Lord. <laughs> and so uh, Geraldine uses scripture to put her point across in a way that's wrong. Hmm, mm. people have ever done that before. And uh, it turns out that David's actually a bit of a hypocrite and he's been sneakily washing his car mm, and uh, doing the uh, filling the pool and sprinkling the croquet lawn at two o'clock in the morning so that no one sees his behaviour. Actually, it's a really interesting um, framing device for this episode because um, summers in the UK um, can be unbearable and like the whole world laughs at us. Because the temperatures don't get as high as they do in other parts of the world. <laughs> but our country, is our whole infrastructure is just not built to handle extreme temperatures. Um, so particularly in this episode, extreme heat means that there's a water shortage. Um, mm. Because there isn't the infrastructure to actually support all the water that people want to use. And so there's um, a hosepipe ban and further and more and then discussions about how they'll um, combat that water shortage which results in our big um, conflict of the episode so it's a really interesting framing device Mm. and so to deal with the uh, issue of no water Mm. we're over in the vicarage and Alice 
is watering the plants and Geraldine's cross like I need that water uh, mm. it turns out she's actually feeding the plants vodka <laughs> <laughs> one way to say it mm. yeah vodka mixed with baby bio uh, that has a vimto taste about it mm. so yeah um, it's um let the listener understand do not drink um plant fertilizers that's what baby bio is yeah. um do not drink plant fertilizers mixed yeah. with vodka please do not do bit, that i was a bit distracted by that reference because i thought what happens if someone listens to that and thinks oh i love the taste of vimto i will <laughs> yeah. mix vodka and the... but hopefully no one will and Just- Let's underline again, we do not recommend this. We do not recommend no. this. But we, we haven't actually tried it, but it's not situation. sensible, it's not sensible, it's not sensible. Yeah. No. <laughs> and Alison and Geraldine have got a bit of a nostalgia trip, don't they? And they talk about, you know, this water sort of shortage is making them realise how fragile mm. life is. And then they mm. talk about changes that are going on. And the big change for Geraldine at the moment that's uh, making her emotional is Des Lynham leaving the BBC. <laughs> um, and they all, yeah, feel a bit bit nostalgic about this. And Noel Edmonds and Mr Blobby, which uh, I was a fan of. And apparently that's a controversial thing. I think he's really scary. I can't... This, this really is. I said it to to Ruthie before recording. Um, I'll say it on, on record. This is probably the most <laughs> controversial thing I've ever heard you say, that you like <laughs> Mr Blobby. Um, I'm sure we've mentioned Mr Blobby before, but... Um, I think we have, yeah. For those of you not in the know, um, Mr. Blobby is a terrifying eldritch creature um, (laughs) of nightmares. Um, Kind of part of Noel Edmonds' show. Noel Edmonds was a 90s TV presenter. um, And um, Mr. Blobby was a man in a big pink... um, Pink and yellow suit. Pink and yellow, not inflatable, but like, not vinyl, but like like plasticky... Creepy jaundice baby. Yeah, he's just, yeah. It's just creepy. He's got this big, creepy, red, wide smile and his giant eyes. Googly and he goes eyes. around saying, blubby, blubby, blubby. And he runs after people And he runs after people and he chases nice. them. And it is, um, I mean, I'm not as terrified of him as I'm playing it up to be, but he is deeply disconcerting. And there was a Mr. Blobby Land, actually. I saw no. an Urban Explorer on Red YouTube. Um, um, <laughs> oh, no. I saw an Urban Explorer on YouTube um, going to um, explore this abandoned Mr. Blobby land. Um, oh. Oh. Okay, that would be sinister. You, what you need to do is look up the YouTube clip no. of uh, the Big Fat Quiz of the Year with Jack Whitehall and Mr. Blobby because I cry with laughter every time I see that. Okay. Uh, it's all quite slapstick and hilarious and yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you guys in our it's... in our chat after because it's okay. amazing. It's funny from it. a distance in the way that um it's like you'd watch horror for entertainment or you'd watch kind of horror comedy. Um, you watch horror comedy because it's fun watching someone else be terrified by this terrifying thing. Um, but but you, I think I would not want to be chased by Mr Blobby because he lacks boundaries and I find that intimidating. <laughs> That's quite a dream, isn't it? <laughs> Jenny, you noticed something about moving on from Mr. Blobby. Uh, Geraldine's uh, 
uh, necklace. Yeah, well, it's kind of a bit of a question, really. I have thought about it in the past, but you really notice it in this scene. So she is wearing a cross rather than it being like a 16 or 18 inch, like round the top of the, just hanging below the neck, for example. She wears hers lower, which traditionally, I don't know for sure. I mean, it could just be like a preference or a fashion thing. But it is traditionally like our bishops, for example, would always wear a, I think Katie called it pectoral cross. Yeah, pe- so you pectoral have Pectoral crosses are kind of yeah. some part of the bishop garb and more commonly um, associated with bishops. It's not that other people aren't allowed to wear them. They're just particularly um, kind of like messy pectoral, decorative pectoral crosses are very associated. Larger ones in particular, like a very large pectoral cross is associated with bishops Geraldine's is more of just a long necklace yeah but then the other interesting thing is that it is an upside down one so if you think of the traditional cross you think of the bar so where the arms of Jesus would have been or those who are crucified is kind of towards the top of the vertical bar but hers is much lower down um so I was just I was watching this episode with a member of family and they're like oh I think it's the cross of St Peter um because it's thought traditionally that he was crucified upside down but i wondered if it could be that or if she was wearing the cross almost like upside down so that when she glanced down at the cross it looked like the cross the right way up (laughs) like what's going on there or because you know what else could the meaning be well an inverted cross the, yeah, the inverted cross is, is heading to Satanism, really. Um, I just thought it was the style decision of the cross <laughs> and hadn't thought of it as particularly inverted. Um, but yeah, that's um, certain uh, metal bands decided to wear a cross upside down. Oh, to, really? As a up yours to Christian tradition. Do you think that's what Geraldine's implying here? Uh, no, I don't think it's the style <laughs> of the cross. Yeah. I need to look at this cross again. I, yeah. I yeah, think it's, it's St. A... Peter's cross. I, I yeah. think it's a St. Peter's cross. Like They've decided <gasps> that she's wearing a St. Peter's cross for whatever reason. Um, maybe, in the, maybe in the 90s it was less associated or it was more common to see a St. Peter's cross, whereas yeah. now we very rarely see St. Peter's crosses. We might see a St. Andrew's cross. Yeah. But you wouldn't wear a St Andrew's cross. That's I mean, St Francis of Assisi has a slightly different cross as yeah, well. Yeah, that's a T. St Francis yeah. has a T-shaped. Franciscans yeah. wear T-shaped crosses. Um, I quite like a bridged cross. That's kind oh. of a. I, I can't describe it without it sounding weird. Look up a bridged cross. They're, okay. they're interesting. They're different. Well, um, according to the internet, the tradition tells us that when St. Peter was crucified, he insisted to be crucified upside down as he didn't believe himself worthy to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus. So maybe she wears it as like an act of kind of humility as well. Yeah. I'm going to have to look into this. Interesting. Anyway, there's lots of reasons why you might choose to wear the type of cross that you wear. It's interesting though. It's just because you just like the look of it. Yeah, yeah. So maybe not over spiritualize. She's uh. wearing a cross. She likes. Uh, I've noticed it in previous episodes that she wears an upside down cross, mm. and I was just like, "Huh, that's interesting." Yeah, it's interesting. Not not very on brand of me to not decide to investigate. <laughs> <laughs> You're slacking, Kate. Come I'm on. Slacking. <laughs> so uh, we moved then to the parish council, mm. and it's two weeks later from from all of the from the first meeting. 
they've skipped a week. Maybe they've had a week off on holiday. And um, they are all melting because it's so oh. hot. There's fans going on. Uh, they've not had water. It smells. Mm. It's gross. <laughs> and uh, they are discussing yeah. writing strongly worded letters yeah. to the water board and to, uh, to, yeah, to mm. the chairman of the water company. Yeah, because they're allowed, like, two pints a day or something. Is that this part? I'm sure Geraldine, when Alice is feeding the flowers, which she's already done, she goes, oh, I've only allowed two pints a day. Yeah. So they can't bath, they can't shower. No. It's a bit scary, really, isn't it? Can't can't clean their dishes. Is Geraldine in a 90? In a 90? No, 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 she's in a summer dress. Like a 90. I like that summer dress. It's white with florals on it. Wood with florals. Yeah. Lovely. But white with florals is quite often a nighty <laughs> style as well. I'm jumper. I'm jumper right now. A very, a very light cotton dress. I've got um, a lovely nighty jumper. Thank you. It's, this is like my grandma jumper because it's woolen, yeah, 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 little yeah. florals and florals and white. Whenever I see you wearing that jumper, it does make me think slightly of Geraldine's Vicky jumper <gasps> that you admire. This is so what I—it's got that yeah, vibe of it. This is what I want that to emulate. So you've <laughs> read a truth about me there. So everyone's in their summer gear, whether yeah. that's a nighty or a white dress <laughs> with florals. Apart from David, who's still kind <laughs> of—I think he might have taken his jacket off, mm. but he's definitely still got a waistcoat on and is looking very dapper if hot. And the uh, the trying to write strongly worded letters and mm. um, uh, th- well, the way that David's written his letter is uh, Dear Sir Michael Dibley has now been without water for a fortnight, which is clearly, well pretty well, you know, less than satisfactory. <laughs> and Geraldine's David. letter is a uh, begins, Dear Sir Useless Baboon's mm. Bottom, uh, I think you should know that down our way you're about as popular as Judas Iscariot at a, a disciple reunion. <laughs> Great image. So, uh, they've gone for different different yeah. things in their strongly worded letters. Which you have ever because... written a strongly worded letter to someone? I wrote a tersely worded email. Not a strongly worded email, a tersely worded email. Um, I don't know what I got, that word means. Uh, tersely, it, it's... It sounds rigid. It's tense, tense, tensely worded. I am. I am. Sorry. A, a, a tensely worded email, slightly sharp, tensely but not worded. strongly worded. I wrote an email um, on behalf of my niece, who is um, she has a dairy allergy, and they'd gone. Um, her family had gone uh, on a visit to a garden centre where they'd sort of advertised that. Um, children would do this activity and in exchange they'd get like a little prize, a reward. Um, the only rewards they had available were all had dairy in. Um, um, and I wrote just a slightly, like I said, not a strongly word email, but a very disappointed email sent to them, like on her behalf. They probably don't know that I did this. I'm very disappointed um, my, my, in you. Yeah, just Ooh. saying, you know, I, I really don't think, I really think you should have options yeah. available. And because they talk, they, they talk about being accessible, you know, on, on yeah. their website as well. And I was just, at that point in time, I was just so upset on her behalf. Oh, Because she was really upset and disappointed and that there was nothing she could have, even from the cafe. Like, oh. there was nothing available. So, and I just have memories of being her age and having that experience and just feeling so unwelcome. So, yes, I have written... Um, a, 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 mm. 
a, a, an email of complaint before, but not not on the level here. Mm. Um, <laughs> I, I was very surprised that David's email was not more scathing because we've had a taste yeah. of his scathing letters before. I mean, the one to the bishop when he complains about Geraldine. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Um, he, he, where he's practically pleasant to the water board. Maybe he's softening. Maybe yeah, he's going yeah. for a different It's tax. because he's a knight of a realm that he's yeah. writing to. Mm. Well, but... when I write my strongly worded letters, I'm not rude. I go for the emotional thing. And the one that I wrote was to... The Prime Minister, Tony Blair, when we were protesting about not invading Iraq or not going into Iraq. And I wrote an emotional poem to try and persuade him to not invade Iraq. Yeah. But I don't think it, it didn't work. It didn't work. Instead, instead of the aggression, I went for the emotion, but still. Yeah, the thing about writing letters and emails of complaint to NP- MPs is it can be extremely disheartening. So they move on from their letters to talk about uh, mm. ideas for the statue and they come up with some people, but um, apparently murderers <laughs> aren't allowed mm. and Elizabeth I did stay in Dibley, but she was violently sick all night, so she probably uh, probably wouldn't appreciate mm. a statue. So it's looking more like Carol Vorderman it is. Um, but then Geraldine says... You know, you could spend all the money on buying water for, for mm. the village so we can all have a bath. And um, everyone raises their arms to say yes, please, but then it stinks everyone out, so they put all the arms back down. This feels very reminiscent of um, buying a new window and actually giving all the money to charity and just replacing it with clear glass. So that's a Geraldine move, really, isn't it? But they mustn't have done this because they do, spoiler alert, have a statue by the end of it. That's true, yeah. yeah. But I guess because, um, because the... The need for the water mm. changed as well, didn't it? In terms of they received it back. But even mm. then, it feels very... It would be more on, on brand for what we know of a vicar of Dibley for, for that money to then be sent to somewhere where there's an even greater drought crisis uh, and repeating yeah. drought crises. Seas? Crises? Yeah. Um, that would to, have been a, a Dibley thing, wouldn't it? That mm. would be a very vicar of Dibley move but they don't do that but they don't do that they don't do that <laughs> no. and instead they go to the vicarage <laughs> yeah now we're back in the vicarage and they're running through their clean clothes and it turns out that they're down to their halloween outfits from last year and so <laughs> alice walks in dressed as a witch and geraldine is a massive pumpkin and it's uh, it's it's quite a look mm. and uh, the water company phones back uh, geraldine because mm. um They've, they've received her letter, but Alice has to answer the phone because the pumpkin outfit makes it difficult. And she answers the phone with a phrase that I might start using every time I answer the phone now. She says, Hi, Vicarage, home to Jerry Granger, God's most bodacious babe. Oh, and that's lovely. Maybe oh, maybe I'll change my voicemail saying, <laughs> reach the voicemail of the Reverend Ruthie Gibbons, God's most bodacious babe. <laughs> See, the, the danger of that is brilliant, but um, I have discovered that not everyone is as knowledgeable about the figure of Tiffany as we are. <laughs> um, I have in my entrance way um, a little picture I got on Etsy of Geraldine that says, Enter if you're sexy, you love Jesus. Oh, yeah. Um, it's great. And the number of people who've stood by that and gone, 
Is that meant to be you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Um, Just not getting that it's a quote. You have to explain it. Yeah, yeah, it kind of loses its joy as a fantastic statement when you have to explain it. Yeah. You never seen Vickers. Well, I nearly said you'd never seen Vickers watch Dibley, but that's us. Never mind. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, on the phone call, it turns out that the water company have come up with a solution and they're coming to the village to explain mm. it. So we head to the parish hall and uh, there's a bloke there. I don't... Oh, it always names Mr. Badcock. Really? <laughs> they they don't tell us that in the episode, I do they? that was a joke, but it is actually oh. Mr. Badcock. <laughs> um, the guy who plays this character I swear I've seen that actor playing very similar roles like in fact I, I recognise him is he the guy who plays a similar role in Charlie, the, Charlie, the 1970s Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie oh, no okay. it won't be him I've seen him in similar roles where he's been playing that bureaucratic um, I've used the word jobbo in my notes. Just, um Someone who's just about their job. and ugh. Yeah. 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 So Mr. Badcock <laughs> has come to explain Top what bands. the solution mm. is uh, the water crisis. He comes with this diorama of Dibley and it's it's clear from this, uh, this model that he made that Dibley's at the bottom of a kind of valley with the hills around. And so the solution that they come up with, and he rather brutally demonstrates this with a bucket of water, is they're going to flood the village of Dibley to create a new reservoir in order that people will have mm. water. And everyone looks absolutely horrified by this, so much so that Owen just punches him. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, mm. um, straight in And when people are angry about this and say, uh, Mr. Badcock says, oh, there's been plans about this for months available mm. uh, and where have they been available in a cupboard in our basement yeah. in the hong kong office which is and... um that exact joke um or pretty much near enough is the opening gambit of a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy it's very douglas adams where um arthur dent uh, is wakes up to discover that um his house is going to be demolished in order to create a bypass um, and when he asks about, well, when he protests, they say, well, there's been, you received prior notice about this. Well, yes, but that notice was um, locked Ooh. in a cabinet um, in in a basement. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it, it's, that's very, I don't know, it's of that time period, I guess. Yeah, so there's obviously the kind of like the funny side of this, but it's interesting. I watched this episode with a family member who was like, oh, that's actually really controversial mentioning Hong Kong because of the Three Gorges Dam, where, right, I learned recently, 1.5 million people were displaced and not given any land or any money or any, like, uh, options to move or accommodation or anything like that, no money for their land or houses, and were just expected to move to build, like, this absolutely massive dam back in 2003 so and i know we've been thinking as well about other places in the uk where this actually does happen so it's like that comedy Mm -hmm. thing but it's also like oh my gosh this actually really does happen which is um yeah an interesting narrative to kind of bring alive yeah a bit painful potentially as well yeah so if you ever want to feel sad um google sunken villages Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, and um, there are a number of places across the world where villages have been evacuated 
and then flooded in order to create um, reservoirs. Um, mm. I bet they're fascinating places to scuba dive yeah. and exploring. You must yeah. feel like you're in the Little Mermaid or something like that. <laughs> you're not often meant to swim in reservoirs. That's true. Yes. Mm. No. It's interesting, but it's yeah, yeah, it's nationwide, I suppose. It happens in Greece a lot. Not a lot, but I've seen it in Greece as well. Yeah. So no wonder Owen then comes with a fist of fire. Everyone's mm. up in arms about it, aren't they? It's like, no, we're definitely going to dig our heels mm. in over this one. We're not going to see Dibley flooded. Yeah, mm. they're going to fight you all the For way. now. And- and we go to the parish hall again uh, mm. uh, at the next uh, council meeting and they're coming up with a plan mm. and a petition as to ha- uh, to stop this to make sure that Dibley doesn't get flooded. And it's it's not going very well. And then <laughs> David admits that he's uh, quite happy for it to happen because they've offered four million pounds for his house. Oh. Which that's in, that's in um, turn of a millennium money. So mm. I mean, that's it's a lot a, today, but a lot it, of money. It would be even more money in in with inflation. And it's yeah. it's called out straight away. So Geraldine literally puts her finger on it. She goes, "Oh my mm. goodness, you're in favour of it now because you're going to get this much money." But then suddenly that feeling is quite catching, isn't it, to everybody? And they start to think about what they're going to get out of it. Yeah, and, because yeah. David shows Owen how much Owen's oh, going yeah. to get for his farm. Um, and he's like, blooming And he starts yeah. singing. Um, Who wants to be a millionaire? Yeah. <laughs> I <Yeah>. do. <laughs> uh, but then Jerry makes actually a very good point about, oh, it's it's fine for people like David and Owen who are landowners. Um, mm. And for Owen, it's actually a really good story because he'll be going from um, kind of comparative rural poverty to having lots and lots of money because his land is valuable um but she says well what about frank and jim they don't own their houses so they won't be getting any money but they will be relocated to um a residential community um as we'd call it now for um older generations um also known as twilight towers happy housing for the nearly dead (laughs) um but it, it is very quickly revealed that these are much better houses than the cottages yeah. that mm. Frank and Jim live in. There's plumbing Got heating. and heating. An indoor toilet. Inside. Yeah. yeah. And oh, it's even revealed that the two cottages that um, Frank and Jim share, not only do they not have inside toilets, but they have a shared outhouse. Um, mm. Oh, toilet, yeah. Which is... Fat. Are amazing. you thinking about the Christmas... The, you believe that because of the Christmas no, it's frozenness. Yeah, yeah. No, it's and Jim's being frozen. Yeah, because yeah, Jim is frozen to a little yeah. bit. Well, I wasn't Christmas. sure if, if Frank was visiting Jim, and that's why he had to wee through his legs when he was frozen to a toilet, or whether <laughs> they share an outhouse. Oh, uh, I don't know. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, still, I, they're not in an way, ideal accommodation. Either yeah. way, they're offered um, much better accommodation. Yeah. Um, so they're quite keen on moving actually. Yeah. And they start singing mm. Oh Happy Day. And yeah. It is, <laughs> it's glorious. Just <laughs> after Dar- <laughs> Geraldine's been like it's a sad, sad day. And then all of a sudden it's a catching Oh Happy Day for everyone. Mm, yeah. Which is just really for everyone, isn't it? For everyone except Geraldine. Because I think not well because I think no one except Geraldine quite grasps um just how different things will be particularly for Geraldine Geraldine it of the group will be the only person who doesn't receive 
any compensation for moving. Um, and in fact, um, it's, it's very interesting. She doesn't bring this up. And I wonder if her trying to bring up Jim and Frank was a way of also bringing up herself. Yeah. Um, because in the Church of England, we have tied accommodation. So our accommodation um, comes along with our job. And if there is no village of Dibley, there is no parish of Dibley, which means there is no vicar of Dibley, which means Geraldine will have to move on. Mm. Yeah, whole different place. And potentially yeah. the church would get some money, the diocese might get some money. Yeah, it's um, it's it's an odd thing in all of this, actually, because you, you'd think mm. the diocese would have an influence. And surely the um, the building is listed um mm. in some way like grade one or grade two listed and i i wouldn't think they'd be able to flood a building like that or they'd have to pay I, a lot of money which might be a yeah not yeah. every church is listed that's worth saying not every church ch- no most... but the, with the age of the the one of yeah it, it the does church, it does look it, to be. it does look like it's got norman elements to it so um it looks like an old building whether or not mm. it's historically what's the word there's um wording they use which is whether it's something is historically significant enough that it needs to be listed at a high level oh right Um, i don't know but um yeah yeah and and geraldine says she'd just be moved on to another place which isn't quite how it works in the church of england i think it works a bit more like that in the methodist church Mm. where you, you get told where you're heading but we get to apply for jobs and mm. kind of choose where we go and head. Although... To, to a degree, to a degree. Yeah. Mm. I think we are often advised or, or invited. Encouraged, mm. encouraged or invited to apply sometimes. Um, but generally in the Church of England, we have this um, application process, which is very much like applying for any other job. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, it's quite a difficult um, market of applications. Potentially mm. back then... It was less yeah. of, of a case. And mm. with Geraldine being um, a female vicar and one of the first, maybe she's more used to a bishop's having quite a strong say in where she's going. Yeah. So the majority of people are quite pleased about mm. all this and the money and the new housing that they're going to get. So we're over at Horton Manor and they're having a glass of champagne mm. to celebrate and uh, have a bit of bubbly. And Alice bursts in to say, oh, I've heard this good news. And and uh, Alice then asked, the, uh, they, they say about people being displaced, and Alice then asked the question about, oh, so where are they building the new Dibley? And it's at that point that they realise that, no, they're not all going to live together. Mm. They're not all going to be in the same mm. community. They're going to be somewhere completely mm. different and in different places, and this community will change massively well hats yeah. off to alice she just literally saves the day here doesn't mm-hmm. she she's the yeah. heroine of this uh, mm-hmm. episode really yeah and, yeah and actually this whole scene as much as you may have picked up that we've found this whole episode a little bit lackluster there's not mm-hmm. much to get entirely passionate about in our conversations but i think this scene in particular is a very important one in terms of talking about how um important where we live can be to us and a celebration Mm. of where we live and where we come from um is a love letter to our hometown really yeah um and 
we re have this beautiful, beautiful delivery from Geraldine about how Dibley is her family. And she gives us some background about how actually she was rejected by four parishes yeah. before she ended up in Dibley. Yeah. And which has a whole new context to that first episode and her kind of confidence coming in. Um, yeah, goodness me, yeah. She talks about actually having um, a full body inspection. Um, I, I, I mean, it's a throwaway joke. And they talk about how all of his parish didn't want to make sure there wasn't a woman being snuck in with a fake beard, which mm. um, maybe that's a reference to Pope Joan, if you don't know about that kind of uh, pseudo-mythical um, Pope story. Um, check that out. Um or, you know, we've just reviewed um, a Monty Python film and they had... Um, Pretty women here. <laughs> yeah, women in beards. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's... She goes on to say some really lovely things about... Um, yeah. Village. And this this fifth one, yeah. this strange little village, the inbreeding capital of the world, accepted me with open arms mm. and became my family. Mm. Yeah. And she says, is it's a... It's a and as someone who's in kind of more country ministry, they're saying this is a real country village. We range from the mildly bizarre to the dangerously odd, dangerously odd Frank, um, because we live um, side by side year to year. Mm. Um, and that really is, that really captures what rural, semi-rural ministry and that idealised... Um, concept vision of parish ministry is that we are all living together and loving each other despite our weirdness and our strangeness and we are loving this place which god has given us mm. um, for what it is even if we there are bits about it we don't like even if it frustrates us even if we don't get along actually um, this place yeah. is worth loving mm. and that spirit catching isn't it Goes from Alice yes, to Geraldine. Absolutely. And then we have quite an impassioned speech by David, of all people, mm. who seems to have forgotten his four million yes. quid offer. Yeah, and suddenly starts quoting Shakespeare. Uh, edits Richard II to uh, to talk about Dibley and how passionate he is about Dibley. Mm. And then there's a really lovely moment with uh, David and Hugo, isn't there? Yeah, it's pretty cute. Hugo comes over to David. So David has this massive speech. This Dibley, this... Oh, can, can you just give us a little quote, Ruthie? Give us a flavour for those who haven't seen some of her for a while. This other Eden, demi-paradise, this happy breed of men, this little world, this precious stone set in the silver sea, this blessed plot, this earth, this realm, this Dibley. Mm. Oh, and everyone erupts into applause and david moves across the room and you can see he's like oh, engaged with what he's feeling mm. and hugo comes over and he's like dad i've never been so proud of you oh. and he's like yes well i thought it was appropriate and then he's like can i give you a kiss father yeah. and david's like i don't think that's necessary and he's like oh please it'll something like it'll be very quick and then he wraps his little arms around him and kisses his cheek and dave's like mm, yes well and it's like it's a very david and hugo encounter but it's so sweet yeah i love it so everyone's rallied now and the vicarage becomes save dibley campaign headquarters <laughs> 
people are, are starting to donate money and uh, including bros, which is super 90s to have bros involved. What's bros? Bros is um, it was a band of two brothers with questionable haircuts, like uh, Jedward oh. for the 90s. Oh. <laughs> we also see we see Owen come in with a suggestion, which is actually <laughs> the sort of thing that would stop um, this, this sort of development happening, which yeah. is for ecological reasons, find, finding something that needs to be protected. Um, yes. However, Owen's suggestions um, are a little bit macabre, um, a little bit violent, a lot of violence against animals. Um, yeah, he's just chopping limbs off his animals, isn't he? Yeah. Mm, he a, not really. He's mm. bred a three-legged cow, where actually he's just chopped one of the limbs off. Mm. And um, uh, he gets excited about this idea, and Geraldine mm. thinks this isn't this isn't going to work. And David appears uh, in the middle of all this uh, chaos, and Geraldine ha- has decided she's had a fantastic, brilliant idea, and it's the best idea ever. It's going to save the village. And David said, "Oh, good. So long as it's not an embarrassing publicity stunt, and you're not going to chain yourself to the chair." <laughs> and she said, "No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, I hadn't mind at all." Can't be hard. She has chained herself she's to the chair. Yeah, brilliant. Which and, um. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm going to get angry now. I'm afraid, um, not because of, D- of Geraldine or Dibley, but because of current politics. And please forgive me. I'm about to go on a bit of a rant. Go on, Kate. Um, I at this point um sort of started checking out of the episode because I was reading the um UK um public order bill, which kind of as we speak, our government uh, is trying to push through Parliament. Um. And then we'll eventually go on to the House of Lords. Um, this is uh, kind of in response to um, the uh, climate action protests and um, just stop oil um, and essentially making it uh, more illegal to protest in ways which disrupt pro- public infrastructure and just dis- disrupt um uh, the way that other people go about their lives, particularly making it illegal to lock on to things, so chaining yourself to buildings or others, um, which is what Geraldine is doing now, um, with up to 12 months prison sentence, I think it said. Um, wow. And also, um, if you are suspected of carrying things like handcuffs in order to connect yourself to places, um, there's increased stop and search powers um, for police, Um is also, I think, there's some very sly stuff about um, not disrupting public transport, which, yes, is about not kind of blocking the bridges, but I think could also be seen as um, preventing, um, like, the train train workers being allowed to strike, which, um, considering they're not allowed to uh, do other forms of striking which would keep the service going but um, stop taking payment, I think this is particularly um, problematic and, and it makes me really angry. Um, mm. Yeah, it's been a big discussion, hasn't it, recently mm. in the UK about the right to protest, and even in um, just in the coffee morning that we have here at church, people have started talking about it, and mm. you know, is is striking the right thing to do or not? And and some people mm. are very for strikes, and some are very against. And the 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 way that we protest mm. is changing and it is becoming more disruptive and that means it's getting in the news and people are hearing about it more and 
yes, the the legislation that's coming in is very worrying. The point of protest is to be disruptive. Um, yeah. And yes, that can be... I remember when, when the um, climate action protests particularly were taking place where they were blocking the bridges in London, I remember lots of dialogue about people saying, you know, this just isn't right and it's counterproductive. Um, and you can see that, you know, when it's stopping people being able to do business, to do their work... But at the same time, how else? It, it's sort of a last resort stuff. Like, this is the, we've been trying to say this for years and no one's been listening. So now we're going to create a big, a peaceful disruption. It is peaceful protest. Mm. Um, so that, you know, people will listen and notice what we're talking about. Um, and, you know, there are debates about how, how um, the efficacy of this type of protest but to make it illegal is deeply concerning mm. um, um, because it's essentially just further stamping down on our right to protest what the government is doing. And the right to protest is incredibly important because yeah. it is an important part of democracy that we can hold our governments to account. Absolutely. But mm. this legislation hasn't come in at the time no. that Geraldine is doing this. And so she has chained herself to the church handcuffed mm. herself to the church mm. and um yeah it's a it's a powerful stance that she's pulling handcuffed in the middle of the doorway which is um is a good place to put yourself for for um, visibility and mm. it's a very obvious protest but there are pros and cons with this as we mm. as we see mm. as we see oh, yeah it turns out that Geraldine has a vicar voice which I think oh, yeah. is something that we've talked about in this yeah. podcast about how people change their voice all of a sudden when they do a service because it's suddenly vicar mode. And she suddenly starts, she talks about our Lord Jesus Christ. She's uh, uh, shouting mm. into the church to finish finish the service of even song that she's clearly taking from, from outside the building. Mm. <laughs> uh, and so everyone has to leave crawling between mm. her legs. Which, yeah, why didn't it. they just do the service outdoors? They probably you know, wouldn't be able to stand for that long. Because they're quite a senior seats. congregation. They could bring seats. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like people could have slipped around the side. Of they the could have gone around the side, for sure. That was frustration. the vestry door, because we know that is a vestry door. Uh, that would have been too sensible. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> it, it did make for funny watching, I suppose. It did make for funny watching, yes. Um, interesting yeah. comments about the lady with a big hat, the lady with a feathered hat. Yes. Um, yeah. Just, uh, smooth things over. <laughs> mm. um, but um, uh, Hugo is helping to provide some entertainment uh, and not the expected entertainment from handcuffs, but leaves a, a, a television in front uh, and gets the, the signal out so everyone she can watch uh, the telly. And I'm, oh, yeah. You know, it's it's amazing and then later on the next day Geraldine's still chained up and mm. there's conversations about needing the toilet and mm. uh, she hasn't been to the toilet yet um, but Jim is willing to, to take over so that she can nip to the mm. loo because Alice makes her need a wee and of course it's at that moment uh, that the BBC turn up to record the protest while Jim is in the handcuffs and we have a, a bit of a montage about uh, the mm. news that comes around from from Geraldine being chained up to her church. Yes, and you've got that mixed news of um, 
Jim makes a comment in a very Jim way while he's being interviewed instead of Rebecca and he is saying, you know, she's just gone to the toilet, you know, you should talk to her. But he also talks about her, her bottom um, on National yeah. News. Yeah. So, that, yeah. so that becomes um, the Sun headline. Um, was it the Sun or was it the Star? Yes, of course it was the Sun. Yeah, the Sun is the Vicar's ass really lovely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A one thing look. that we noticed in this montage was it's really quick a couple of seconds on one of the photos of Geraldine not only does she have her low hanging cross out she's wearing what looks <laughs> she's wearing what looks very much like Episcopal purple yeah in the newspaper isn't it yeah in the newspaper very bizarre no it looks bizarre. quite nice actually it does look nice though interesting interesting for those of you who don't know there's very much common it's this thing among clergy where we often gently rib each other if we're wearing any any shade of purple um you'll say oh you've got aspirations even if your purple is lilac which is not a color bishops wear um but there is a particular shade that bishops wear which is this very more kind of magenta-y purple a more mm. pinky purple. Yeah, it's like a fuchsia pink. It's more of a fuchsia really? pink. Yeah. yeah, it's like um, wow. Which which they wear, and Geraldine is wearing that shade um, in 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 the photo of her. Yeah. So that's that's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, if it, I'm sure she got very a number of her colleagues got in touch with her to make fun of her for wearing that colour. <laughs> so we continue to see the montage, and like we see Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy Paxman talking about it, mm. and um, there's uh, different signs that are seen, and I particularly enjoyed the, you know, friends of Save Dibley, uh, mm. and then there's also uh, a sign for friends of the arse. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> small out all the people groups. And we also see that baby Geraldine has joined in the protests, mm. and she is also chained up in like um, a baby jumperoo uh, to the church mm. building to protest Dibley. Uh, being flooded so the protests continue and eventually the boring man uh, Mr Badcock uh, appears to give a statement uh, and say that you know we've we've seen these protests but it's not nothing to do with the protests we've decided to uh, uh, not proceed with the Dibley reservoir and it's not because of anything that's going on here but it turns out that there is a very rare blue crested one-legged chicken that lives in this area to which owen gives a bit of a wink and geraldine just kind of rolls her eyes Uh, so clearly owen's uh methods of sorting this out have worked and the waterboard guy gets a a photo with the blue crested one-legged chicken (laughs) <laughs> Which is just a chicken that's been painted slightly blue. <laughs> it works, crazily it, enough. It does the job. It, it does the works. job. Yeah. And so they're going to look for other solutions. And Dibley is saved. And hooray, mm. it's wonderful. They want the key to get out. And it turns out that Hugo swallowed it for security. Very Hugo. I like how this scene... Oh, I don't know no, how it ended, but sort of one of the things is I noticed that Geraldine referred to Hugo as Hugs. That's like a little mm. shorthand name, which I thought was super cute. cute. Little Hugs. So we go for celebratory drinks in the vicarage and hooray, hooray. they did it. And there were tough moments like when mm. Ant and Deck appeared for a while. But um, um, uh, yeah, they've done it and it's wonderful and we're going to celebrate. 
And David announces that they've decided, because of all this, that they're going to do a Millennium statue after all, and their chosen subject is going to be a statue of Geraldine. Mm. So this is like classic Vicar of Dibley again, isn't it? Where there's a bit of a terrible misunderstanding and Geraldine is like, wow, not this, this sort of thing doesn't happen every day. Spends a long time getting ready. Is wearing a particularly lovely outfit, might I say. Mm. Like a long sort of green shirt dress thing. Mm. I'm, a, I'm a fan of the colour, if I might say so yeah, myself. It's, it's like a, yeah, a classic moment really, isn't it? It's interesting because up until this point, they have generally distinguished between the two Geraldines as Geraldine and baby Geraldine. Yes. So yeah. I don't fault her for her misunderstanding, especially the way that they present it to her. Oh, yeah. They make it like she's been the hero of this and started all this protest <laughs> yeah. and... and yeah, so we've decided that a statue of Geraldine's the right thing and she's overwhelmed and doesn't know what to say. Mm. And then there's a really lovely um, scene. It's just a few things that was my favourite part of this entire episode. I don't think this is the best episode, but it's just the conversation that Geraldine and Alice have together. And so there's stuff going on in the village mm. about the unveiling of the statue mm. and, and, and Geraldine and Alice are getting ready in the vicarage together and... Geraldine's doing her makeup and Alice is doing hers and she's just put massive bits of lipstick on her cheeks for, for mm. blusher. Um, and um, uh, Geraldine um, asks, does she look okay? Or uh, as she puts it, gorgeous or why front stretchingly gorgeous? And Alice says, yes, why front stretchingly till a little bit of winky sticks out gorgeous? <laughs> <laughs> Which is just a great line. And then... Um, Alice asks she looks nice and Geraldine, instead of saying anything sarcastic, just says, you look like Michelle Pfeiffer um, oh, at, yeah. at her most beautiful and then says, it's just one little thing and and mo- like blends in her lipstick blusher to sort it out and just says, now you look babelicious. And it's just these little, mm-hmm. this little bit I really love because Geraldine has the tendency to just take the rip out of Alice for these different mm-hmm. bits and you know, tease her and say mean things without Alice kind of properly realising. But this is a moment where they just have a lovely moment together and it's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there's just other little bits about... um, Alice says something about you provide the beauty in the brains and... uh, and Alice tries to think about something that she provides and Geraldine just says the rest. And it's mm. just, you know, mm. she could have said something really sarcastic about, you know, you provide a brain cell or something like that, mm. but she just, they have this lovely moment. Yeah. And then they go out to the village to to go and see this statue unveiled and Geraldine's very excited and, uh, and the Millennium statue, it's unveiled. And of course, instead of the vicar, Geraldine, it is baby Geraldine mm. in a cot with a Teletubby, um, what's it called, where the mobile, a Teletubby mobile above her and Geraldine is flabbergasted 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, just like a fake sort of like, oh yeah, it's lovely, sort of yeah. while processing, oh my gosh, it's not me, mm. which is all quite funny. Yeah, it feels very dibbly, but also it's lovely. I like the sentiment at the end, actually, and David speaks of how they didn't want to look back and commemorate someone from the past. Not that there was anyone inappropriate, mm. as we found out, but actually for Vic- for the, the vicar, sorry, for Dibley to look forward, which is really nice and really appropriate for the millennium, millennium as well. If we actually then think about local heroes and who is the person of a character which everyone just universally loves in Dibley, and it is baby Geraldine, like from that very first opening scene. Mm. Everyone yeah. loves Geraldine. She's be- baby yeah. Geraldine. Everyone loves Geraldine, but everyone loves baby Geraldine. And, you yeah. know, they're voting about whether she's the cutest baby in the world. Um, yeah. And although... Yes, Geraldine Granger, Bodicea Geraldine Granger, um, <laughs> uh, was very much behind the Save Dibley campaign, campaign and she started the whole movement of changing, chaining herself to the church. By the end of a protest, they were all chained to the church. And yeah. actually, it was a collaborative process yeah. um, yeah. with all of them together. So what what a better way to represent this future of their community where they've all banded together by having a statue that represents something which they universally love. Mm, true. I think it speaks something really powerful into the church as well, taking it one step mm. further, is actually that our children, our young people, are the face and the soul of the church mm. in the years to come. And I think for a long time, you know, we've kind of been like, actually, you know, church and tradition and keeping our, you know, older members happy and making sure everyone has, you know, something to give um, ministry to. Um, and actually our attention has been on children and families for the Sunday school or for... Uh, a special service that's not the main worship but actually I think this this also can speak back very powerfully into the church and the Church of England or the Anglican Communion or churches generally about actually where we look as well with our vision and if it's not centered around children and families then uh, we're in trouble. We're not in yeah. trouble. Yeah. They I talk mean, a lot about children being the church of the future mm. and but that's kind of been mm. talked, talked down now and said no, they're not the church of the future. They should be the church of right now. And we yeah. should be, you know, engaging all ages in church. And Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just worth saying, it's, it's not that we focus on young people to the detriment of older people. Um, I think I've come across a narrative in ministry where people have said, well, you, you know, oh, our mission plan only cares about children what about our older people who need support and need help too mm. um, and it should be all generations yeah um, absolutely all together. Um, and the best. children and children are necessary for the future and we it's absolutely right that we should be focusing um activity on supporting young families and you know making them you know helping them trust the church and believe in the church um Am I the only one who found the statue of baby Geraldine immensely creepy? <laughs> it's weird. And it's, it's also so weird. It's not going to last like the, the the mobile is so fragile. That's gonna break soon. I have to say, I didn't mind the baby Geraldine, but the mobile was creepy because it was moving. I was like, mm. if because it was just like basically a massive grey, it looked like sort of play-doh or something. It was like moving, like wobbling in the wind, and I was like, oh no. This, if it just all been solid, I'd have thought, yeah, super cute. But because it was moving, it freaked me out. It's... No, the baby's eyes were just 
Yeah. Oh, really? I don't yeah. think I've spent long it's enough there. an interesting choice to do a baby in a cot. They could have done something more interesting with actually kind of older mm. Geraldine holding baby Geraldine. That would have been lovely. Oh, um, yeah. But um, it's just weird. And that... It's going to be so damaged by vandalism or, oh. like, 10 years down the line, 20 years down the line. It's just yeah. going to be, like, bits are going to be have been broken off. She's going to live getting... with that in the village. It's, 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 it'll be a haunted statue. Well, do you know what I thought? I thought when Geraldine the baby mm. grows up, and, yeah. you know, when you do those, um, mm. say if you're in a new group or, at like, PCC, you'll do, like, what's one thing about you that nobody knows? And hers can always be there is a statue erected in my not memory that sounds uh, in my honor not right yeah a statue is erected in my honor I'd be like people would be like nah no way or they'd be like oh who's that who's the famous one in the room but no it's Geraldine as a baby baby Geraldine but anyway she's not a real life person so she'll never actually really encounter that but that's where my brain went anyway. <laughs> the episode then finishes of course always with a joke and we don't often talk about the joke but I wanted specifically to mention this joke because mm. Geraldine does the thing that we're accused of and we're called all the time, which is uh, Bible bashers. And she literally bashes <laughs> Alice over the head with a Bible. Poor Alice. Poor Alice. Because she improves the stick joke. She does. What is it? What's brown and sticky? A stick. Yeah. And for mm. Alice, it's just not, it's not, like intellectual enough it's not true to life enough she needs it to be real and factual and then she might and then she's like Geraldine then you'll get a laugh if your joke actually makes sense then you'll get a laugh come on this is how you can improve it yeah but uh and because of the life stage I'm in uh, as soon as I heard that joke I just had the stick song from Hey Dougie dancing Mm. around my head which I don't know if you two uh know particularly well Uh, sadly not here's a little taste of the stick song Stick, 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 sticky, sticky, stick, 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 etc. It's like a rave song. You listen to it once and it irritates you, and by the fifth listen, you're like, this is an absolute banger. I will accompany our pictures for this week with the stick song in honour. Looking forward to that already. So, what have we learned from this episode? Um, I don't know, it's a filler one, isn't it? It's a bit of a filler (laughs) episode. I think there's interesting reflections about protest and the role of the church in protest and whether we should um, be leaders in protest. Um, That's a whole Mm. other episode, really. Mm. Um, I just got angry about politics at the moment. Um, Geraldine the baby is very cute. And we can yeah, all agree on that. It is just a little bit of a. T- tell us what you think about this episode. What did we miss about this episode? What, what exciting things did you like about this episode? Or do you agree with us? That or it's you... a bit like, eh, there's good bits in it. Mm. Like my highlight is the Geraldine and Alice talking together right at the end and seeing how their mm. friendship has developed mm. and grown. I guess it's an episode about community and the value yeah, of community. Yeah, definitely that scene where they're basically, it's a love letter to our communities and our small villages. That's beautiful. I like that. Yeah, yeah definitely. And how it takes a team of um, people to have good ideas as well. Mm. It's never just Geraldine as the leader or David Horton mm. as the council chairman. Actually, good ideas and inspiration comes from 
all different kinds of people, all different ages and seasons of life as well. And the future of our church and communities is all generations being brought together and we finish on a very hopeful note with baby Geraldine. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Vicar's Watch Dibley. Thank you to Toby for editing our ramblings. Any views expressed in this podcast are our own and don't necessarily represent those of the Church of England or any other organisations with which we are affiliated. And as always, bless you for listening. Here's my joke, guys. Seeing as it's summer, I have a little summer joke for you. What is brown, hairy, oh. and wears sunglasses? A beaver. Cousin it. <laughs> no, it's a coconut on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> <That's awful. laughs>